0: Have you ever encountered an unexpected moment? I was thinking through some, some things that kind of happened in my life that were unexpected. The very first time I ever got an airplane and flew, I was eight years old, and I flew to Phoenix, Arizona to visit my grandmother, and no one ever told me that when you get close to the airport, there is a possibility they could go into a holding pattern, and the plane could turn, making you think it was doing an actual bear roll. That scared me a little bit, and I screamed out as the plane was turning because no one told me, hey, you need to expect that. When my daughter was born, and some of these you've heard before, but when my daughter was born, um, we were expecting a son. We actually have a sonogram picture with an arrow on it that says, it's a boy. And the doctor receives Gracie and says, it's a girl. And I said, are you serious? (laughs) There was um, the first time I was dead asleep in the middle of the night, and I felt some strange spirit hovering over me and opened my eyes to see a three-year-old saying, Dad, I can't sleep. (laughs) No, I can't either. (laughs) But these, these moments come up when you're not really expecting them. And they, they happen, and there's all of a sudden, you're, you're left to deal with it. Like, this has happened. The, the phone call I got from my mom saying, hey, my mom passed away. Her grandmother, or my grandmother, I'm sorry. My grandmother passed away. And you're left to deal with what comes next, because from that point over, from that point forward, Things will be different in some way. You, you've experienced this, and you've had this moment, and now things are going to be different. And through this series, we've been talking about the ways that Jesus continues to show up in our life in an unexpected way. And the season asks the question, are, are you ready for his coming? And not in a fearful, you better get everything right, ready, but but are you ready to be a part of what he's doing in this world because he is moving and active and, and inviting you to be a part of what is happening. As he renews and makes everything new, are you ready for his coming? Are you prepared? Or are there things in your life, we talked about a couple weeks ago, that just simply don't belong, that that need to be weeded out, that need to be rooted out? See, Israel had been waiting and waiting for this king, a king in the line of David, David, the great king of Israel, who brought a period of peace to Israel. David, a warrior king who cut the head off of a giant and who conquered cities. They're looking for that king to show up. They're looking for that king. And then the king comes, but he comes in the most unexpected way, in one of the most unexpected places. And I want us to simply ask the question, well, what does it look like for God's presence to show up? Because last week we ended with this idea that that God speaks to Mary, speaks to Mary and says, my son will dwell in you and you will be the vessel through which my presence comes into this world. That is the message to Mary. My son will dwell inside of you. And you will be the vessel through which my presence comes into this world. It is the very same calling. It is the very same invitation that each one of us as followers of Jesus have. That God's son will dwell in you. And you will be the vessel through which his spirit comes into this world. And so we ask the question, what does it look like for God's presence to show up in this world? One of my very favorite passages in the entire Bible is found in 1 John. And as John's been talking about what does it look like to live in this world and love people, he kind of comes to this conclusion here in chapter 4. Through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, the entire message of the gospel is that God loved you first and that he gave his son to give you life. And that in him, as we clothe ourselves in Christ, as we enter into a relationship with the Messiah, we begin this new life, this new life where our sins are forgiven, this new life where we take on the presence of Jesus in this world and we begin to live as he would live. And it means fundamentally who you are begins to change from the very foundation of your being, from the inside out. You begin to try to live as Jesus in this world. And the beautiful part of that message is that he sends his son to live inside of you, to live through you, so that the world would see Christ in you. And that his presence would invade this world. John begins his gospel by saying this light has now come into this world and the darkness could not overcome it. And that light, that light is you. That light is you. It is your life with his presence flowing out of you. That that love that Christ gave you flows through you and out of you. You see, the beauty of the cross, the beauty of the cross is not only a death, but it's what follows the death. It's an empty tomb. It's a resurrection that that life does not end as we know it when we stop breathing. That there's something more to this life that we're living for. And so the story of the birth of Christ. You see, without the birth, there is no cross. Without the birth, there is no resurrection. Without the birth, there are no disciples. Without the birth, there's no great commission. That the birth is the beginning place. The birth is where new life comes into the world. The, the birth is where the story begins. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Why do you take a census? So you can know how big your empire is. In this little small corner of the Roman Empire, this small little town of Bethlehem is going to begin a new story. It's going to begin a new story as Christ comes to dwell among his people. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So in this town, This small little town most people believe was about 500 people around the time of Jesus' birth. But with the census and Caesar wanting to count and measure how big his empire was, he sends everyone to their original place where they are to be counted. It's a small town. A small town um, where everyone knows everything about everyone. I didn't really understand what a small-town life was like until I met my wife. I grew up in Garland, Texas, in the middle of Dallas, in the Metroplex, and no one knew anything about anyone's business. And then I heard about the town of Warica, Oklahoma. And I found out that there everyone knew everything about everyone's business. I actually went on a job interview one time And the church that I was interviewing at was a really small town, about 1,200, 1,300 people. And they said, well, have you ever lived in a small town before? You know what it's like. I said, yes, Cleburne. Cleburne's about 30,000. They laughed at me. (laughs) They said, you have no idea what it's like to live in a small town. Because when you live in a small town, everyone knows everyone, and they know everything about everyone. There are no secrets And so you have this young girl pledged to be married to Joseph entering this town for a census. And not only are they entering it, so are probably hundreds of other people all flowing into this town. And here in the busyness, in the chaos, there's a promise of a birth. The promise of a child that is going to come into this world to save the world. And what's crazy about it is as monumental as this moment is in the history of humanity. No one seems to be aware of it. No one seems to be aware of it because they have things that they need to do. They have things that need to be done. They're traveling. They have family. They have kids to watch over. There's so much going on. And with so much going on, there's the possibility of missing what is most important. Have you ever missed something that was really important because there was so much around you that was urgent? So many things that had to be done, that needed to be done for your job, for your family. And in trying to do them, you start to lose track of what's most important. The most important event, one of the most important events in human history is happening right there in this little, small town. And everyone is so busy that they're going to miss it. And I wonder at times if that's not what our life looks like that we're so busy with so much to do and so many places to go that we miss what's most important. In the season, we said, we're preparing for this coming king, and we're asking that question, but in the urgency of all the stuff that you have to get done, have you lost track of what's most important? Have you lost track of just simply spending time with Jesus? Of being in His Word, of being in prayer. Of allowing Him to transform who you are, to change you, so that His love would flow out of your life and into this world, changing and restoring and reconciling and making all things new. Because don't forget, that is your invitation to be a part of what Christ is doing. That's what this new identity of baptism that we talk about is so important. That's what it means. We've taken off this old self and we put on this new self that is clothed in Christ and we're living as He lives in this world, bringing His kingdom to this world, to a world that needs hope, that needs healing, that needs restoration, that needs reconciliation, that needs forgiveness, that needs hope. That is the message of the gospel. Verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, because they were and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people." Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That, that these angels appear to these shepherds, and they get their attention and saying, Hey, we got some good news for you. Good news that's going to be for all people. Good news that you're going to want to hear about. Good news that you want to go and see with your own eyes. And what's interesting is it's the shepherds that get the message. It's the shepherds and it's not the people in the town. It's not the people in close proximity. It's not the people right next door. It's shepherds. Who are out in the fields nearby. And if they're not out, or if they're in the fields, then where are they not? They're not in Jerusalem. They're not in Bethlehem. They're not in the city. They're not in the chaos. They're not in the running. They're not in the busyness they're out in these open fields where they have space where they don't have all of these things that are so urgent crowding in around them telling them hey hey listen take take your attention give me your attention but there's space I I wonder at times if the reason that we don't hear from God the way that we probably should is because there's too many noises and distraction and too much clutter around us when, when's the last time that you just turned your phone off I'm going to miss a call or email or a text. I mean, are there times that people can't get a hold of you? Are there times that you just simply sit in the quietness, in the stillness, and know that He's God? it's so easy in our running in our busyness to think we're accomplishing things that are really important and that really matter and they might be important they might matter but if you don't have the foundation eventually you're going to crumble. See, God promises that His Son will dwell in you and you will be the vessel through which His presence comes into this world. But if you don't create space for Him, if you don't invite him into that space, then the birth that's happening right under your nose, that new life that is coming into this world, right next to you, you may miss because you weren't expecting it to show up that way. You didn't think it would look like that, and it did. I want to talk just real quickly about some key players in the story. And these key players aren't in the Bible. But they're key players that I would imagine are probably in the city. They're they're key players that are walking in and out of the city of Bethlehem as Jesus is being born and they're completely unaware of it. I would imagine there's the avoider. The the person who sees Mary and Joseph coming down the street, a pregnant lady probably riding on a donkey with her husband walking beside it. And they see him coming and they cross the other side of the street because I don't want to mess with all that. I'm busy, i got stuff to do, and I know if I get involved in that, it's going to take some time from me. It's going to take some things that I want to do. And if I were to get involved in that, i probably already know what God's going to say anyway. He's going to say, you need to get some stuff cleaned up, you need to get some things in order, you need to spend some time with me. But I don't really want to hear that. I'm I'm sure another person that's in the city is the busyness man or woman. Got stuff to do. Got places to go. I got appointments. I got to go to the bank. I got to go to the grocery store. I got to go pick up the kids from school. I've got stuff to do. I got business to take care of. It's all urgent. Like everything around me is urgent, it's important. I got to get it done. I wonder in the grand scheme of things if it's really that important. For, would imagine there's the rejector, The person that sees what's coming and maybe has even heard rumors that the Messiah is here in Bethlehem. Oh, can't be can't be. This is the Messiah born in a little manger in a stable because there's no room for it. This can't be the Messiah. This can't be God's plan. This wasn't how it was going to happen. Who told you that was the Messiah? An angel? (laughs) Couldn't be. One other person. The room maker. See, someone in this story, someone in this story said, hey, I don't, I don't have space in an inn. I don't have a room I can give you. But we got a barn outside. And I know it's not much. And I know it's not fancy. I know it's not clean, but it's what I have and you can have it. You you can stay there. And maybe it's not a room maker. Maybe it's just simply a room giver. That this is what I have and I'm just going to give it. And I'm going to let you do whatever you can with it. And somehow, with someone offering what they have, as dirty and as messy as it is, God makes something beautiful out of it. He brings his son, the Messiah, into the world through it through the mess and through the chaos, through the manure and the minutia, and he says, here is my son, and everyone else around is so busy and has so many things going on that the most important event, the savior of the world, coming and taking on human flesh, is missed by almost everyone because of their story. See, ultimately, I think the thing that gets in the way of God's story more often than anything else in your life and in mine is our story. Because we want our story to be the predominant story that is told. Look what I did, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, look at me. And Jesus says, here is the message. You, you want to be a part of my kingdom then flip everything upside down and it's not about your story, it's about my story. You want to know who I'm going to bless? I'm going to bless those who are poor in spirit. I'm going to bless those who mourn and those who are meek. I'm going to bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to bless those who are merciful to other people. I'm going to bless those who have a pure heart. I'm going to bless those are peacemakers. I'm going to bless those who are persecuted. Yeah, but that's not how kingdoms come. Kingdoms come with violence and come with power and they come with military and they come with warrior kings. No. My kingdom comes in the dark of night in the back alleys of Bethlehem through a little manger. Through a young girl who is a virgin. Who God looks at and says, I'm going to call you out. And this is not what people are going to expect and people are going to doubt and people are going to question. But through you, my son will dwell in you and you will be the vessel through which my presence comes into this world. You carry the hope of the world inside of you. And Paul says it this way. God's Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is alive in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. And you carry his presence into this world. And the beauty of the story is it did not depend on Bethlehem's preparation. It didn't depend on Israel getting it right. It didn't come on having enough space It didn't depend on everyone and every other thing that had to be done. That Messiah entered the world not dependent on anything else. But that God's redemption had come. And that God sent his son into this world. Because he loved this world so much. That is your story. That God's son dwells in you. And you are the vessel through which his presence comes into this world. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that he lived. We thank you for his birth. Father, we thank you for his death, his resurrection. Father, we thank you that in his life we are free from our sin, that we experience life, and that you have sent your Son to dwell within us, and that, Father, through us your world is being restored and renewed and all things are being made new. Father, may we truly buy into that promise that your son dwells within us and that his presence enters this world through us. Father, may we be your children, your people, bringing hope, bringing life, bringing forgiveness into this world. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never been clothed in Him, had your sins washed away, we offer you that invitation this morning. Whatever we could do. Um, we're still going to have ministry staff and shepherds around the back of the auditorium as well. We would love to pray for you if we could do that as well. So whatever your need, stand while we sing.